Well, good morning again, everyone. <clears throat> Hope you all had a, a great week this past week. It was one of those uh, one of those weeks in central Illinois where uh, you think, man, I'm just glad I'm not in Florida right now. <laughs> or is it the other way around? I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking we can't all go south in February because if we did, who would be left to take care of the snow and ice and all of that? You know, somebody has to stay back and take care of those things. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I hear you, cat. <laughs> All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 24 is where we are going to be reading. And while you're finding that or getting there in your Bibles, I wanted to share something funny that I, I saw on social media this past week. So um, this father uh, of this family had flown out to the West Coast uh, for an interview for a, a new job. And on his flight back home, he was, uh, they were giving, given some brownies and some cookies as their snack on the plane. And he wasn't real hungry, so he grabbed that bag, you know, the throw-up bag in the sleeve there. He grabbed that bag in front of him. He put the cookies and brownies and stuff in there to save them for later. Well, when the plane landed and he got up to leave, the flight attendant saw that bag had been used, and, and she said... Uh, would you like me to take that bag and dispose of it for you? And uh, the, the man replied, he said, no thanks, I'm saving it for my kids when I get home. <laughs> you know, I, when I saw that, I was thinking, you know, the, the flight attendants probably can tell us all kinds of interesting stories like that. But uh, I don't, you've probably seen in the news, I really feel for them right now because they have had a, they've had a, we all have had a couple uh, years that have been really tough, but when you're in a place like those stewardesses and stewards are, I mean, that, that's, uh, they've had to deal with some angry passengers and so on. So uh, blessings to them. And, and uh, okay, Matthew 24, um, the 24th and 25th chapters of Matthew here deal with three major themes, really. Uh, and these are the words of Jesus, so this is what Jesus is saying about these things, or these themes. The first theme we find is found in verses 1 through 35 of chapter 24. And there Jesus is talking to disciples about his second coming. His second coming and the events that will um, precede that. And then in verses 36 to 44, which are the verses we're going to read this morning, he is talking to... Uh, we're talking about the need for believers to live in a way that is watchful and ready as we await his return. And then verse 45 of chapter 24 and on into chapter 25, Jesus talks about the final judgment over which he will preside when he returns. And he tells a couple of parables there in chapter 25 uh, as a part of that. But let's read what Jesus says here in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. Oh, sorry, I, I had the whole summary up there for you on the screen. <laughs> I'll leave it up there for a little bit while we read. Beginning with verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding a hand, at, with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The title of the message today is, is Never Lukewarm. And you know, when that term lukewarm is, is used, it's usually not in a very favorable light. And what I mean by that is if you go to Roseland's and you order a, a hot latte drink and you get it and you start to drink it and it is cold or lukewarm, you're probably not going to be too happy about that. You ordered a hot drink, you want it to be hot. The same thing's probably true at a restaurant. If you order and your meal comes to the table and it seems like it's been sitting there in the kitchen for a while before they decided to bring it out to you, you're not going to be too happy about that either. We want our meal to be hot. We don't want it to be lukewarm or cold. Um, that same thing, I, I suppose, could be said about cold drinks too, because if you want something cold and it's not very cold, then that's, that can be disappointing as well. And in some sense, that is what Jesus is referring to here in these verses that we just read. Except what Jesus is talking about is much more important than your, fu than your food or your drinks being lukewarm. He's warning us about our faith becoming lukewarm. He doesn't mention that word here in these verses, but we heard in the passage that Drew read earlier from Revelation that he was referring to the, the church in Laodicea, and he said that they had become lukewarm in their faith, and that was a dangerous thing. In the context of, of faith, Lukewarm would describe someone who hasn't blatantly denied Jesus, but they also aren't really living for him either. They've become lukewarm in their faith, which is, I guess you could say, faith in name, but not really in action. In these chapters, and especially in these verses that we have just read, Jesus is talking about his promised return to take his followers up to heaven to be with him. Like many things in this world, of course, there are, there are a wide variety of views and opinions on how that will take place. Some people even like to predict when that will take place. But it, we know from what we heard here in verse 36, what Jesus said is that no one knows. The angels don't know. He doesn't even know 
God the Father is the only one who knows when that will take place. The Bible has a lot to say about those things. And it's way too much to cover in this message today. So what what we are going to focus on this morning is our need to be ready whenever that day comes to pass. And, you know, the truth is, and I mentioned this a little bit with the children, the truth is we always need to be ready to stand before Jesus because we don't know what is going to even happen in our life tomorrow. For that matter, we don't even know what's going to happen after we leave here this morning, the rest of this day. And so therefore, we don't want our faith or our life with God to be found in the cold or the lukewarm category when that day does arrive for us. In verses 39 through 41, Jesus says, That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One's going to be taken, the other one will be left. Then it mentions about two women who are grinding mill. We guess we could think about what we do these days and put ourselves in this story. One's going to be taken. The other will be left behind. One was ready. One was not. Those verses are actually right before Jesus reminds us to keep watch at all times. It's not wise for us to live our lives as if the world will go on forever. I'm going to say that again. It's not wise for us to live our lives as if the world will go on forever. Eternity will. And that's why our life and our decisions now, in this life, right now, are so important. Because it frames what our eternal life is going to look like in heaven or hell. During the season of Lent, which actually starts here in a couple of weeks, the beginning of March, we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper. The theme is going to be the life we now live. And, uh, you know, what does it look like? Why is it important? And what does it mean for us for the rest of eternity when we think about those things? Well, at the beginning of these verses here today, Jesus actually refers back to the time of Noah. I'm sure you noticed that when we read that. And he says that his second coming is going to be like it was in those days. Verse 38 says, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And then all of a sudden, things changed. The reminder there, of course, is to be ready at all times. We may not know when, but we always need to be ready. And so, you know, as we look at our As we look at our life, our faith, and how we are living, do we appear to be ready? Or are we cold 
and maybe lukewarm towards God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You know, if we look around us these days, it seems like uh, that time may be closer to us than further away. A lot of times I'll read, uh, a lot of weeks I'll read the blog of a pastor down in North Carolina of a large church, Pastor James White. And I want to share what he said about that just this past week. Because it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works a lot of the time. You know, I was studying this passage this week, preparing for the message. And then this blog shows up in my inbox. Well, here's what he said. He wrote, when you analyze these two chapters of Matthew... There are at least eight signs that Jesus tells us to look out for. First, and I put them on the screen there so you can see them. First, he said there will be false prophets and people who claim to be Christ or some type of Messiah leader. Uh, individuals will rise and teach what isn't true and will try to get people to follow them. But they won't really be of God. Second, there will be wars and threats of wars. In other words, it will be an age of anxiety and fear of world conflict. There will also be the reality of conflict between nations. Three, third, there will be an increase in the number of natural disasters. Four, Christians will be persecuted for their faith. They will be ridiculed and discriminated against. Five, a lot of people will turn away from their faith. They will renounce Jesus and say that they no longer believe in him. Six, there will be internal division and discord among Christians. Seven, immorality and insensitivity toward immorality will reign throughout the land. People will engage themselves in things that embarrass God. And when they do it or see it, they won't even blush. And then the final sign, number eight that he mentions is that before it all ends, the gospel will be proclaimed to everyone in the world. And then he asks the question, so are we in the end times? Well, he goes on to say that, you know, if we look around our culture, our nation, and our world right now, we can check off all eight of those boxes pretty, pretty easily. And this is what he writes. He says, we don't know the exact time, only what the world will look and feel like when the end is near. But the description of the end times sure does sure does look and feel like right now. That was the end of his quote. Which means, as Jesus says here in these verses, we need to be ready. We need to keep watch and we need to take inventory of our faith, our trust, and our life with God. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you made him the Lord of your life? And then are you living for him? Does your life show that you have made those decisions and that you are a believer and follower of Christ? I mean, those are very pertinent questions for us to ask 
ourselves as we look at these passages and these things in our Bibles. There's a reason why this subject is mentioned so many times in our Bibles, in Scripture. In fact, uh, Pastor John Wesley, many years ago, he, he went through the Bible and he counted over 1,800 verses that mention the second coming of Christ in some manner or, or another. So when that time comes or when our time on this earth is over, we don't want to be found having a lukewarm faith or a cold faith. This, of course, is something that's very personal for each of us this morning, this decision and, and about our life. But it is also something that is really very communal, community-oriented. Because I, I don't want others to be caught unprepared like those people in the days of Noah were. I want to see others ready and keeping watch. I... I want to see revival in our land. I want to see another great awakening. I want to see all of my family and my friends and my neighbors and all people ready for this. Another thing that happened this week that, or actually just yesterday in the mail, and I was just amazed, again, the Holy Spirit working. I was amazed, but uh, my buddy, Pastor David Jeremiah... You guys didn't know we were buddies, did you? No, I really do like David Jeremiah. I listen to him a lot, and uh, I really uh, I have a lot of respect for him, and I like to listen to his preaching and what he has to say. But anyway, we got the, the Turning Points devotional or magazine in the mail, and this is, just, this is what he said at the beginning of his letter. Dear Glenn and Rhonda, don't worry, you're not seeing double. I've sent you two copies of this month's issue of Turning Points. Why? Because I know when you read the time-sensitive articles and devotions inside and feel the urgency that this could be the day that Jesus comes back, you won't be able to keep it to yourself. You'll want to share this extra copy with someone you love. He says, we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return, but we should live as if today were the day. And this first volume in our three-part, This Could Be the Day devotional series will prepare you as well as the friends and family you share it with for what's coming and empower you to move forward in victory. Just came in the mail yesterday. I couldn't believe it. So I'm starting to pray about who, who is going to get this, this other copy of the next month's devotional. You know, in the history of our country... I'm sure some of you, if you know much history, you've heard of this or you're aware of this. But in the history of our country, there have been three great awakenings that have happened. Some call them revivals. Revivals of faith in God. And as we look around us today, it seems like we are in need of another one. Right? We need to pray for that. We need to hope for that. But we also need to be a part of that. In other words, the next great awakening or revival, it's going to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. 
But it's also going to need to include you and I as a part of it. People who are already on fire for Jesus and living for him. Walter Brueggemann once said this. He said, the prophetic task of the church is to tell the truth in a society that lives in illusion. Grieve in a society that practices denial and express hope in a society that lives in despair. You know, I have spoken many times about the state of the world that we live in, the state of our country that our country has been in lately when it comes to, you know, people abandoning their, their faith and leaving or, or distorting Christianity. I mean, those statistics are out there. They're all over the place these days. The nuns is what they are often referred to, that group. You know, either they have no religion and no faith and no interest in Jesus, or they still claim Christianity but are coming up with, you know, their own truth in place of of biblical truth. That's happening at an alarming rate in our country right now. But then there is this. There are also statistics that show that Christianity and faith in Jesus is growing at record numbers globally. Especially in the global south. And Asia and South America are places, but Africa has more Christians right now. The continent of Africa has more Christians than any other continent. But it's also taking place in South America and Asia. You know, in years past, we in North America have been the ones sending out missionaries across the world. I'm wondering if maybe we now are the ones that need missionaries sent to us. Or else maybe we need to step out. And maybe we need to be the missionaries right here in our own land. I was thinking about the song we we sang this morning. Build your kingdom here. You know, you think about the words to that song. uh, Set your church on fire. Win this nation back for God. Change the atmosphere. I mean, that song points towards revival. Points towards a great awakening in our nation. And I believe we definitely need to be praying for revival in our land. And we need our culture to experience another great awakening of the Holy Spirit to come over us. When I was looking at the great awakenings this past week and studying, I didn't do a lot of deep research, but I noticed something particular about one of those great awakenings. There was a pastor who would pray for five hours a day. <laughs> five hours a day for revival and a great awakening. So we need to think about that, you know. Maybe we're not doing enough when it comes to praying and asking God to bring revival and a great awakening to our our land. 
Perhaps our country and our continent are becoming too similar to those churches in Revelation that were lukewarm, they were indifferent, some of them were cold in their faith and in their belief towards, towards Christ. Those are things that Jesus is warning us about here in these two chapters of Matthew. And he's very upfront. Jesus is very upfront about things. He's direct. He is proclaiming truth in the midst of lies and false teaching. But I think most of all, Jesus just cares about the people. You know, he just, he cares about the people. And that's why we have two chapters dedicated to this in, in Matthew and then many other verses in our Bible that, that mention it. And that's why I preach about it. I don't want anyone to not be ready to stand before Jesus and to proclaim their faith when that day comes. In the past several years, uh, I've been very concerned about the direction that our culture and our nation and even some Christians seem to be headed. Many of those places are not play, uh, a place we will want to be when the end comes and we stand before Jesus. Many of them are, are anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-creation, anti-humanity. Which really is not surprising because they come from the Antichrist, which we are warned about often in the Bible as well. It reminds me of what Timothy warns us of in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, when he says, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So, I'm asking all of us to make this a matter of prayer. To pray for revival in our nation. For a great awakening, a, a great move of the Holy Spirit to change the direction and the atmosphere. More importantly though, to change lives. And to turn people to Jesus before it's too late. Some of you can remember the song some years ago by uh, DC Talk. It was titled, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I want us all to be ready. And that means not waiting for someday in the future to get ready. Because that day, it might be too late. So I hope you'll join me in praying for that to happen, that you will be ready and that we will be on watch, as Jesus says uh, here in verse 22, or verse 42, that our faith would not be lukewarm or cold towards Christ. And so this morning I have to ask, you know, if you are not where you need to be in that respect, I hope you won't wait another day for that to happen. Because I said a day longer may not be a day that we are given. 
And if you want to receive Jesus or if you want to, to pray about any of this this morning, I'm going to be up here at the front when we dismiss. And I'd love to pray with you and, and talk with you more about that decision. Well, to close, I want us to go back to uh, and consider some of the words that we heard from Psalms the, from David in those verses earlier. I think they are words that echo what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 24 and 25. This is what the first seven verses said. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let's stand together as we dismiss in prayer this morning. And as we, as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, um, I would like us to uh, begin by saying the Lord's Prayer. If you need the words, they'll be on the screen, but... Let's begin uh, with the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll, I will go on from there. Join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning and, and those who are watching online. I, I pray that the words of Jesus here in Matthew, in these two chapters of Matthew especially, would help us to evaluate our own lives and think about how ready we are for that day when you return. Or the day that we stand before you in heaven. Lord, we, we know there are many things in life that come at us, many temptations, many things that draw us away from you. Satan is at work in our world trying to draw us down that wrong path and away from the things that keep us righteous before you. So, Lord, we pray that you would help to guard us from those temptations. We pray that if, if we need to turn and go down a different road or a different path that leads us closer to you, and, and makes our faith uh, on fire, I pray that we would do that, that we would realize the need that needs to happen in our life and that we would uh, not be lukewarm, not be cold, not shrug off the things of faith and of God that need to be first and foremost in our lives of utmost importance. So Lord, help us to make it that. Help us to make him... Uh, the place in our life that they need to be. And Lord, we'll go back to the pertinent questions this morning. The most important questions to say if we are ready is, have we received you into our lives? Have we asked you to be our Lord and Savior? Have we received your grace and forgiveness? 
And Lord, are we living for you in each and every day of our lives? Is that the greatest thing? Is that the most important thing for us? May your Holy Spirit work in our lives and through our lives, Lord, and we give our lives to you. And we pray for a revival in our land, in our nation, in our country. We pray that it would begin with the move of the Holy Spirit, but we pray that we might be a part of it and that you would use us in that great awakening, that revival that will take place. Go with us now. May your peace surround us and be near to us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone.